Welcome to the Waukesha Bible Church Podcast. We believe the Bible tells a single story, and at the center of that story is Jesus. If you like what you hear today, additional sermons, teaching sessions, and written material can be found on our website at waukeshawbible.org. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Today we'll be reading from Revelation chapter 22, verses 6 to 21. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me, to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. We are looking at Revelation chapter 22, verses 6 through 21. It is the conclusion or end of the revelation. Many of us are familiar with the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory film. In the film, five golden tickets were hidden in Wonka bars and shipped out into countries all over the world. The search for them turned into a worldwide mania, and each ticket find was a press sensation. And one of the five children who found one of the tickets was Charlie Bucket. And Charlie Bucket was a poor child, and he was shocked and surprised to realize that he had one of the golden tickets. Let us, however, provide another unfortunate perspective in all of this. You'd think having your lottery numbers come up would make you among the luckiest people alive. But for some, it's been the unluckiest thing to ever happen to them. That was the case for one young couple, this, uh, this, this drawing in March of 21, who missed out on 182 million euro millions. It equals about $185 million in the U.S. jackpot when they realized their winning ticket payment hadn't gone through. Rachel Kennedy and Liam McCrowan from Hertfordshire were absolutely heartbroken when they realized their usual numbers had come up, but they had won nothing. 
The couple, both students, had played the winning numbers of 6, 12, 22, 29, 33, 6, and 11 for five weeks in a row. So they kept picking the same numbers, kept buying the same ticket before all seven digits appeared in the drawing. Rachel's account was set up to automatically buy a Euro Millions ticket, <laughs> Millions ticket with her usual numbers, but because her account did not have the right funds, the ticket payment did not go through. I called the number thinking I had won $182 million, and they said, yeah, you've got the right numbers, but you didn't have the funds in your account for the payment of the ticket, so it didn't actually go through. Well, this morning, as we read the end of Revelation, I want to assure you that you do have the winning ticket, and you don't have to worry about the balance. After a relatively short study of six months, we have arrived at the end or epilogue of Revelation. This book began with an appeal, and we hear the appeal again in Revelation 22. It's an appeal or an invitation to read Revelation, to hear what it is saying, and to keep the book. The question is, as we come to the end of Revelation, is have you? Have you read Revelation? Have you heard this book, and have you kept this book? Have we as a church heeded his word and have we come to Jesus? Remember that the revelation is from Jesus and is of Jesus. Have you heard and seen Jesus in the study? What a shame it would be if in all of this we have missed Jesus. It is true because we have shifted theologically in our eschatology as a church I have had to explain and contrast dispensational and non-dispensational thought. But revelation isn't about either. Revelation is about Jesus. Revelation shouts, you have the winning ticket and you don't have to worry about the balance. We know that the book of Revelation is written to a persecuted church and they are called hold fast to Christ. We have seen through a series of cycles an emphasis on the second coming of Jesus. And Revelation is an appeal to the unbelieving to repent. Otherwise, they will face the wrath of God in the lake of fire. As we consider our final study, our final paragraph, there are five conclusions that we can observe in this study. And the first conclusion that we observe is the intentional structure in the book of Revelation and the Bible as a whole. To understand what the final section in Revelation is telling us, we need to not only understand Revelation, but the entire Bible. Revelation communicates through a series of repeating cycles, and each one giving us different aspects and parts of the same story. This is true because the Bible does teach a single story, and at the center of the story is Jesus Christ. In addition, John communicates his message through a prolonged picture of contrasts. Revelation is the fitting conclusion to the biblical storyline. It has more Old Testament imagery and references than any other New Testament book. And so when you read Revelation 22, you read a bookend to the book, and then when you read Revelation, you read a bookend to the entire Bible. And that is what this final paragraph communicates to us. The first we see is this comparison or contrast or bookend of Genesis with the book of Revelation. And I'm only making and giving some highlights. 
The Bible begins with God speaking into existence creation, and it ends with God speaking into existence a new creation. The Bible begins with God and man in a garden, and the Bible ends with God and man in a garden. In Genesis, Adam and Eve were barred from the tree of life, and in Revelation 22, the people of God partake of the tree of life. In Genesis, they walked with God and saw his face, and in Revelation, we will walk with God and we will see his face. So the book of Revelation and the book of Genesis are the bookends to this entire story. In addition, Revelation 1 and Revelation 22 are in parallel. When you read Revelation 1 and Revelation 22, there are seven things that repeat themselves. First, contain to show his servants the things what must soon take place. Secondly, John is identified by name as the witness who heard and saw these things. Thirdly, it contains the phrase, the time is near. Fourth, the phrase, behold, he is, I am coming soon. Fifth, it, they contain the phrase, I am the Alpha and Omega. Sixth, the sending of an angel from Jesus, from God. And seventh, blessed are those who keep what is written. Blessed are those who keep the words of this prophecy. So not only is Revelation a fitting bookend to the entire storyline begun in Genesis, but also in Revelation 1 and in Revelation 22, you have a bookend to the book. You also need to understand, and we have seen how Revelation 2 and 3 are then re-seen in Revelation 21 and 22. Those promises made to the ones who overcome, they come into full possession of what was promised in Revelation 21 and 22. So as we look at Revelation, we need to understand that we have the winning ticket and we don't have to worry about the balance. Revelation shows us that from Genesis all the way through. The second thing we want to note as we come to the end of Revelation, the final paragraph, is the natural relationship between chapters 21 and 22. Revelation 21, as we have seen last week in our study, from verse 1 all the way through 22.5, leads us and walks us into chapter 22. We noted in Revelation 21 how there's a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem, a new presence, a new condition. Also in Revelation, we have seen a new name and a new song. We have seen the glory of God in the descending of the bride. Then we see the face of God, and Pastor Giles brought this out so well. There's no longer any sea, no longer any death, no temple, no sun, no night, no one who practices sin. God becomes for us what the shadow once was. Revelation concludes by assuring us that Jesus Christ is indeed enough in this life and in the life which is to come. Pastor Giles, in our study of Revelation 21, stressed the contrast between Exodus 34, where no one could see the face of God, and Revelation 22:4, where we will see the face of God. Everything about Revelation is relational. If you have a relationship with God, you are in the new city. If you have no relationship with God, you are in the lake of fire. Revelation wants to assure us as his people that we do indeed have the winning ticket. And you and I need not worry about the balance. The third conclusion that we observe is the urgency of the message in Revelation. Everywhere in Revelation, we read that Jesus is coming quickly. You'll remember in just reading this paragraph in verse 7, Behold, I am coming soon. 
Verse 12, Behold, I am coming soon. Verse 20, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. It's amazing to us that 2,000 years have transpired, and yet throughout Revelation and the New Testament, it assures us that the coming of Jesus is soon. The word quickly occurs in Revelation 1.3, where we read the word, for the time is near. In Revelation 3.11, I am coming quickly. We have read about a little season, a short time, one hour. Paul picks up this same thought in Romans 13, verse 11, when he says, Do this knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep, for now salvation is nearer to us than when we believe. The night is almost gone and the day is near. He picks up that same thought in Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, when he writes, Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, the end of all things is near. The New Testament teaches that the end times began 2,000 years ago. When we read the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11, speaks of the end of the ages. 1 John 2, 18, the last hour. 1 Peter 4, 7, Romans 13, 12. Romans 13, 11, the hour has come, the day is at hand. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 29, the appointed time has grown very short. Philippians 4, James 5, the Lord is at hand. James 5, verse 9, the judge is standing at the door. John chapter 22, verse 10, the time is near. Everywhere in the New Testament, it assures us that Jesus Christ is coming. And Revelation ends with this appeal. Behold, I am coming soon. Friends, you and I have the winning ticket. And we need not worry about the balance. Jesus Christ is coming soon. The fourth thing we see as we have studied the book of Revelation is the emphasis on the word, the message that John brings. Throughout Revelation, there is this reoccurring theme, the word of God, the words of this prophecy. Keep my word. These are the true words of God. His name is called the word of God. When we read Revelation chapter 22, verses 5 through 21, we have stated six times the word. In Revelation 21, verse 5, For these words, the words that you and I have studied over the last six months, for these words are true and faithful. Revelation 22, verse 7, the one who keeps the words of this book. Revelation 22, verse 9, of them which keep the words of this book. Revelation 22, 10, seal not the words of the prophecy of this book. Revelation 22, verse 18, I testify unto everyone that hears the words of this prophecy. And verse 19, if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy. There is this emphasis on the word. Revelation is not just a word from God about the true word of God, but this word, Jesus, is to be believed. It is not simply believing revelation, but believing 
Jesus. Everything in this book points us to him. There are four thoughts or statements concerning this word as it occurs in Revelation 22. We know that the words that you and I have studied, the words that we have read, the words that we have heard, the words that we endeavor to keep, the words of this prophecy are faithful and true. This prophecy is a word about Jesus. And Jesus is faithful and true. The second thing about the emphasis on the word is that the words of this prophecy are to be kept. So as we have read Revelation chapters 1 through 22, as we have studied what it has had to say, we are supposed to obey these words. Well, what is this obedience that the word calls us to do? It is the keeping of his word. When it says come, come to what? Come to whom? It is coming to Jesus. By coming to Jesus, by believing in Jesus, we have not just read and heard, but we have kept and done. Those who believe the gospel are those who keep and come to the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is Jesus. So as we have read Revelation, our tendency is to divide it up into categories of systematic. But it is a word from and about Jesus. So in our study of Revelation, we should be reminded of Jesus. We should be reminded of the gospel. And it is Jesus and the gospel that encourage us in a season of tribulation. Third thing concerning this word is that the words of this prophecy are to be opened. This stands in contrast to Daniel 9.24, Daniel 12.4, where Daniel was told to seal up the words of this prophecy. We are now open this book. This is the universal proclamation of the gospel and a universal invitation to the gospel. We are to go far and wide and preach this book. Why? Because it is a book about Jesus. So we go forward and we preach Jesus and we invite people to believe in Jesus because the gospel is Jesus. And the fourth point concerning this word from God about the true word of God, is that the words of this prophecy are not to be added to nor subtracted from. When you and I read Revelation 18 and 19, it says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. Well, what are the plagues described in this book? The plagues described in this book are the ones that lead to this lake of fire. If you are a recipient of these plagues, you are an unbeliever and you will be going to the lake of fire. Notice what it continues to say. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. That statement, those statements are not describing one's eschatology. It's describing one's faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Do you believe in Jesus? Unfortunately, unlike any other book in the Bible, all the books in the Bible that we have studied, none is like Revelation. Unlike any other book in the Bible, evangelicals, that's who we are, have made how one understands Revelation, some kind of theological litmus test, to determine orthodoxy, what you believe about the gospel. If we don't say the same thing, and this is where the conversation sometimes leads, concerning literalism or rapturism or tribulationalism, or Israelism, or millennialism in the exact same way, 
We say, well, we can't have fellowship around Jesus, and that's not true. Because I'm all for labels. I'm all for systems as points of discussion. But I'm against making the label the code word for orthodoxy. The issue isn't the accuracy or peculiarity of your eschatology, but the faithfulness and truthfulness of the gospel, and the gospel is Jesus. That's why when we read Revelation, we have to understand not only is it from Jesus, but it is about Jesus. It is about the gospel. If in our study of Revelation we have not heard Jesus or the gospel, then we have added to or taken away from the prophecy. Regardless of where we are eschatologically, and that river runs both ways for all of us, if we have not heard Jesus, if somehow we have been distracted from hearing him, then Satan has snatched away that seed. What Revelation wants to assure us is that you and I, as the people of God, in our entire study of Revelation, we have the winning ticket. And you and I do not have to worry about the balance. It's already done. We can rest assured that what God has promised, he is able to complete. In the midst of our tribulation, God is proving faithful. The final thing we see in our passage at the end of Revelation is a description of Jesus. Look with me at verse 6. He said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. As we read Revelation, we must understand that it is not just from Jesus, but about Jesus. Jesus is the faithful and true. Jesus authors the message both received and then delivered by the prophets. Jesus is to be worshipped exclusively. Jesus will render to everyone proportionately and appropriately. It says that when he comes, verse 12, my recompense will come with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus is the Alpha and Omega. Jesus is the root and descendant of David. Jesus is the bright morning star. Jesus is the ultimate arbiter of all justice. And Jesus is the singular source dispensing unmerited favor and grace. Amen? So when we read Revelation, there's much discussion that can take place concerning Revelation. But at the end of the day, we must realize that this is a revelation from him and of him. And it's about Jesus. We cannot take away from or add to Jesus. Because Jesus is the gospel. Everything that God has promised to us, we will come in full possession of. That's everything Revelation says. From Genesis 1 all the way through chapter 22. From chapter 1 of Revelation to chapter 22. From chapters 2 and 3 to 21 and 22. We have the completion of this story. We know that he is coming quickly. We know that there is a description of Jesus and we rest in him. We have this about Jesus. So what do we do with this? 22 chapters, studying the book of Revelation. Well, when we study Revelation, we are studying Jesus. We're not studying eschatology. And that's a big leap for all of us. Revelation does tell us what is coming when Jesus comes, but it's a study 
of Jesus. It's not of eschatology. And the book of Revelation, like all the books in the Bible, have a very intentional structure with Jesus at the center. So when I read Revelation 22, 6 through 21, I need to understand how that fits in the whole. And this is a fitting conclusion to the book given to us from Jesus and through John. God is right now. God is right now making all things new. And we will see his face. We do not add to, nor should we take away from this word. Revelation wasn't given to build an eschatology. It was, built, it was given for us to see Jesus. Given to us to see Jesus in the midst of our tribulation. Revelation is about Jesus, and Jesus is the gospel. The question confronting all of us this morning is simply this. Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Revelation tells us that you can't. You cannot save yourself, but only God can, and Jesus did. Revelation tells us the story. In Christ, every single one of us in Christ has the winning ticket. And we never have to worry about the balance. Every promise he has made, he will make good. Please stand with me as we close in prayer. Father, there's a side of me that wants to study the whole book all over again and to read it again and again and again and to pick up all the pieces that were played out before us. We are confident that in the rereading of Revelation, in the hearing of Revelation, our vision of Christ would be deepened. Our love of Christ would be widened. Our service of Christ would be more generous. Father, as we have looked at Revelation, keep reminding us of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Help us even as we wait to understand that you are coming quickly. And our desire would be that it's today. Guide us in our thinking. Cause us to rejoice in what is true. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.